Welcome to the Life Well Done Podcast. Optimizing physical, mental, and emotional being. Challenge plus change equals growth. Hey, welcome back to Life Well Done. Uh, joined here with a pretty special guest we'll get to in a second. Uh, for those of you joining back in or for the first time, uh, please check out uh, Instagram at Life Well Done, our YouTube page at Life Well Done, and be on the lookout for a website, a better website, and uh, hopefully a blog coming up soon. But uh, getting that stuff out of the way so we can get to our, our main show here. Uh, I'm joined by somebody that's been on the podcast before. Super excited to uh, be back with him. Um, he's a man that has so much to teach. He's successful and driven, kind and caring, gives you tough love and honesty like you couldn't imagine. He's a friend and a mentor, and he makes you want to put life on his back and do the dance. Uh, welcome back, Rudy from Zen <laughs> Teachings. Uh, super excited to have you back. I know for me, uh, obviously we're, we're close friends outside of yeah. podcasting and meditation, um, but uh, in the last few months or so, you and I, or you have really taken me on your wing and, and allowed me to make an attempt to make, make my best self uh, out of this and really work with me on my meditation and we were just talking uh, before this, we launched this here, but uh, things have been going actually pretty well. To me, like a little bit like, I'm like, ah, maybe this is happening a little too fast, but um, welcome back, man. How are well, you? Well, thank you, man. That's a, that's an awesome intro. I don't know that I can live up to all that. I want you to know I wrote that intro while I was driving in a, in a car, so it just <laughs> came to me. Oh, well, I, I appreciate it very much. <laughs> um, it's always always a pleasure to talk to you as you know we talk all day anyway but um it's good to have this opportunity to sit down and talk about mindfulness that we're talking about tonight yeah yeah i mean i want to recap a little bit about meditation uh i know there have been a couple people recently at least in my life that have been posting about struggling with meditation or not knowing what to do and by no means am i an expert but i try and draw them your way because what you've been doing with me has been super helpful but uh obviously there's I always I always relate everything to the barbell row. Uh, there's no one way to to row the bar. Uh, so there's probably 80 million ways for people to say this is how you meditate. But uh, I've had some pretty good success with what you've taught, and obviously it's it's easier to connect when we have a personal relationship, and mm -hmm. it it just makes more sense, easier to relate to. But right. um, I guess you know I'm trying to remember how I phrased the question to you in a text, and and a little bit about the meditation was that uh, how you know, I was talking about when I'm in meditation, I have thoughts come up. Um, do you, you know, a lot of people say be with the breath or watch the thoughts, watch the, um, watch the breath, I guess. And so this combination of the two, and I'm kind of like lost as far as like, where do I go with that? Um, I know when I text you, you said my terminology was off and forever probably will be, but. I was trying to find the text. Actually. <laughs> I'm listening to you. I'm trying to find what it was. Um, it was a question I think about find about watching the breath. Yes, about that. Let's see. You said, quote, I hear people say, watch your thoughts or maybe even your breath. What do I do with that? I have thoughts or remain focused on the breath or just remove myself from attachment from the thought or follow the thought. Is that the same thing? So my response was just that the terminology was maybe a little bit off and being mindful of your thoughts in the sense what people get bogged down a lot in is judging the thought you know they'll sit there and say okay i'm meditating and then of course you gotta understand that you know your thoughts of your day or what's going to happen tomorrow or what your 
happy about or upset about, whatever. It's going to enter your mind. I mean, that, that's that's natural. Um, but then people get attached in their judging themselves like oh i'm so bad at meditation i suck at this you know how come i'm having these thoughts why am i and then all of a sudden that leads to a thousand other thoughts and you're, and you're cascading yeah, so rabbit hole of, right there yeah so instead of just having that one thing where you're supposed to be meditating and you thought about your barbell row and you could just recognize oh i thought about barbell row supposed to be focusing on the breath go back don't think about damn it brian why did you think about barbell row Oh, you mess up everything. Oh, you're no good at anything you right. do. This is not for you. Your mind's too undisciplined. And that that's the kind of rabbit hole, that's the kind of thing that people fall prey to. So what I was saying was when we talk about watching the thoughts, I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. I think it's more watch the breath, uh, be aware of the thoughts, okay. only in the sense of when they come, you recognize. I mean, it's oftentimes, if you've been meditating now more, you probably have recognized, this happens to me, where you'll find yourself thinking about something and you're not sure how long you've been thinking about it. You know, it's not like yeah. as soon as you <laughs> think about it, you're like, oh, there it is. You might kind of trail off, you're peaceful, you're feeling the breath, and then you realize at some point that you're thinking about, you know, what you're going to have for dinner tonight right. or something. You know, you realize that something is in your mind. You don't have necessarily a start time for that. So it's just recognizing that sooner and then letting it go once you recognize it, not dwelling on it, not judging it, not getting bogged down. That's interesting. I was going to bring that up. Uh, I remember when I kind of first started working with you, I said, man, I feel like I'm just so focused on my thoughts. And your response was, yeah, but you might be becoming more aware that you have the thoughts. And so it might feel like you're struggling to be in, quote unquote, a good meditator. But uh, maybe it's just you becoming more aware that the thoughts are even there. It is. I mean, it, it's a matter of how you judge yourself. One of my favorite stories Sifu tells all the time is he was in China and he was talking to some, like a Buddhist monk, like a literal Buddhist monk who'd been doing this his whole life. And the guy goes, on a good day, I can get through one, maybe two breaths before my mind wanders. And Sifu's like, damn, you know, like, what am I doing? Because... You know, this guy's been doing it his whole life. He can get through one and two breaths. Well, I mean, that that obviously means your level of what you're judging is mind-wandering changes. We did an exercise the other night in the dojo where you had to count backwards from 100. And when you, whenever your mind wandered, you thought about it, you had to restart, start back at 100. So it was an hour meditation doing that. I got to 98. Now there were there were be, there were beginners who got to twenty, you know. And so, uh, so do I believe that they're that much more focused? No, I think that what they count is your mind wandering. So it's just like, you know, you know, when you when you play hockey, you can put skates on me, and I can skate, and technically it is skating, right? I mean, you are on blades right. and you're moving on ice, so right. I guess you're skating, but it's not the same level of skating as if I'm going to play sure. hockey. Or yeah, there's proficiency that right. goes along with it. So, so it's just a matter of how do we judge it and what standard do we hold ourselves to. I guess that's why I call it a practice, right? Absolutely. No, for sure. I <laughs> always, mean, I always growing and evolving. Always. I mean, there's some people that say you only meditate once, you know, for, that you really only make it one time. Dang. Um, and that would be nirvana or, or bliss or whatever. That's it. Everything else is practice. 
after each day, you know, what's, what's the fucking point anymore? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I guess maybe that's a good place to segue here. Uh, we are talking about mindfulness and performance. Um, mm-hmm. I know for me, I've talked to you about this, the direction I want the podcast to go. And um, I know we've, the, the life is done has evolved into life well done. And it's just got this ever growing theme and um, not being afraid to rebrand and change directions into watching it, watching it evolve into what uh, evolve into what I see fit and for me a lot of mental health comes along the mind like the reins of how do we optimize your mental health so it's just a mindset thing like whether you're super depressed and you're a negative 10 or you're performing at your best or close to your best at a 9 going from negative 10 to negative 9 or 9 to a 9.5 either way you're optimizing you know what like why do we have to use a negative negative connotation to it so to me I wanted the podcast to evolve into the mindset uh, fitness, nutrition, performance, um, and we know, it, you know, not that I'm some magnis- magnificent performer, and I've not had a hockey career that's been outrageous, but I did play at a level that's a little bit higher than most people in the world, and mm-hmm. um, but you can take you can take what the most successful people in these realms are doing, and at the end of the day, what does it come down to? Mindset. Your mind kind of you, you are nothing without your mind, and this kind of evolved. Uh, uh, kind of circumvents around all of the meditation, being present, having home base, whatever you want to refer to it as. But uh, so today we're talking about mindfulness and performance. And I know with you, you have a very uh, deep martial arts uh, history. Um, I know we're going to relate this to. I mean, I'm, I'll probably spin it into nutrition a little bit. Um, but you know, when you're thinking about for me, hockey, playing in college, and how I'm different eight years later after playing. Uh, you're thinking about being in the gym. Good days, bad days. Um, how do you spin these things? So that's kind of where we're heading here. Uh, I'm super excited to talk to you about this. I'm, I'm excited to learn more about your martial arts uh, background because for as long as I've known you, all I know is that you've done it for a long time. Um, you are a black belt. Yeah. Correct. I am, yes. I am, I am Actually, years. I was going to say, now that I just said that, I definitely know you're a black belt because the week before you had like broken your shin or something like that, <laughs> yeah. your tibia, your fracture or something. And I remember being like, how the hell are you going to do that? You just meditate through it. it. I mean, that's when you talk about the mindset and everything, right? I mean, if we want to bring, leave it in the workout realm, anything else, we've all had good workouts, bad workouts. You know, if, if it's a part of your life, if you're a high-performing athlete, if you're a martial artist, if you're doing anything at any kind of, even if you're doing it just regularly, you know good days versus bad days. And you know when you go in, I mean, how you're feeling, how it's going to actually how how you will perform how that will manifest itself and i think a lot of times you know we and what i try to talk about mindfulness is being a master of your actions as opposed to a prisoner prisoner of your reactions and having this idea of just deciding you know i had an interesting conversation with someone a few weeks ago and they were asking about how do we get ourselves you know when you're when you're doing something how do you keep pushing and to me it's almost like you have to make that decision before you know i mean you have to win when we talk about in martial arts in a fight and a self-defense you know there's obviously there's the actual physical fight if me and you are about to fight there's that fight but before that there's the first fight and that's the one that's in your mind right and if i don't get my mindset right and decide that i'm going to do what i'm supposed to do then i don't have a chance in the secondary fight because your biggest opponent is always yourself you know, and if I'm going for a run, you know me, and you know, I hate running. Right. 
if I makes two of us leave it up to myself, then I'm gonna quit on every step. It's like I hate this, I hate this, right. I hate this. But I decided before we're doing a mile, we're doing ten miles, whatever we're doing. You know, ten miles is a lie. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I've never <laughs> done ten miles. But if, if it's a mile or if it's a five k, I have done that. Um, I'm just not gonna stop. Right. You know, and so. I think that by disciplining the mind beforehand, you give yourself the moral authority to actually make that decision and say, no, I'm in charge. The body's not in charge. I get it. You hate it. I don't care about your opinion. I'm in charge. Right. And if you don't win that first fight and I leave it up to my own devices, my body's going to lie to me on every step. And I'm going to think I have to quit when I don't have to. It's, uh, I can't remember what you said to me. You made the analogy of going into fighting. I think it was you. The first first time you got into the fight where you're you're freaking out, freaking out. But like a lot of those guys, they talk about as soon as they get in the cage, you're like the anxiety's gone because now I'm just here. Like I have no choice. They shut the door behind me and like you know if we're talking MMA stuff like that, like they shut the door. Like well, you're either gonna die or you're gonna fight. Yeah. What's your choice? So like. You talk about this, but a lot of this stuff, to me, it comes back down to, like, visualization. For me, when I was playing hockey, I know I was a... I kind of got weird around game time and stuff like that, but even with practice, I was a lot looser around practice, but I always kind of thought about, what what do I need to get done here today? Where do I... Where's my head? And it's one of those things of, like, you know, I hate when people... I know the hockey world more than I know any other world, probably, but when people will be like... I, professional hockey players, like, how, how do they get mad about what they do? Everything turns into a job. Think about what they have year-round. They've got to be in shape. Their mm-hmm. bodies are broken, battered. Mm-hmm. And you just think about mentally. What it takes to get through a 60-minute game, and then you do that 82 times for a year. Then you have playoffs, which ramps up. Focusing takes a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And you don't just show up and focus. I mean, this is stuff that you have to see. From the second you wake up, you're in this, I'm on. I have to be on. I have to be thinking about what is the job at hand. And that type of thing bleeds over to the rest of your life. Whether it's your training, I mean, like, how do you get through your training sessions in the middle of summer? You know, if you're a professional or you're you're an whatever it is, if you're training for something, or maybe it's just your health, health and wellness. If you're training for it, um, you know, like, what gets you through those bad days? What makes you keep showing up? What is it that makes you say like, I'm gonna get eight reps? You're on the seventh one, you're like, ah, I'm good, but I'm well, gonna fight for that last. About, play. I mean, in your in your vast athletic career in your hockey career everything else i mean you have i can relate it to fighting in this sense um you have the fight camp right and that's like eight weeks or so prior to an actual if you're doing a sport fight right um you don't train at that level all the time we have a guest um (laughs) you know yeah sorry so if you hear we've got cats and they're they're apparently fighting about something but um You know, you can't sustain, it isn't obvious to me at least, that I can sustain that same eight-week thing all the time. And if you look at, okay, or or the rest of your audience, I mean, CrossFit, you see people um, ramp up for the Open. Right. You know, I mean, you're you're not all the time, you're going to burn out and kill yourself. Was, isn't it, it, I actually have this written down, and I know this is probably an upcoming couple of podcasts here, but the difference between consistency and intensity. You can't be at 100% intensity every day because now... Either a that changes what your your definition of intensity is, or b it requires rest. And like, quite frankly, in the CrossFit world, where I see it all the time, people are not people struggle with that stuff. Um, 
you know, so when you're talking about the difference between intensity and and uh, consistency, consistency, uh, consistency will trump the intensity all the time. You know, if you do something five times or somebody else does it ten times over a couple of weeks, who's got more practice? Who's got more skill set? Who's refined and really developed themselves in terms of skill, conditioning, whatever it might be? So there is that whole thing of like we're we're not we're not trying to. Do ten. We have ten pounds of shit in a five-pound shit bag. Is one of the, my favorite phrases. But we're not trying to do everything today. We're just trying to learn today. We're trying to develop and grow today. If we take one step today, awesome. What are we doing tomorrow? Uh, it's just that, and that's I think where the mindfulness comes in. I just did a podcast on the voice inside your head, and before that, the growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Maybe they're the same podcast episode. I don't even remember. But uh, it is kind of having that idea of like. Even if today sucks, what can I what can I get out of this training session, out of this fight? You don't win every fight. Most well, I mean, people. How don't. many times have you helped me in the gym, <clears throat> just on my squat technique? You know, if it, if it's knees out, if you're telling me to visualize splitting the floor, or you know, my butts back, chest up, that kind of thing. Now, when we're going over those details, that's what I'm getting out of that workout. Right. I'm probably not going to PR that day. Right. You know what I mean? Or that, that's not the point of, of the session. Like how do we put this in consistent? Yeah. How do we create right. consistency so that when we do go for intensity, we are put into a position to fuck shit up and not well, do it and be hurt? You know, like how do we, how do we peak? How do we peak? And where, how do we figure out where we're going to peak? You peak when you're going to peak. I mean, that takes experience. Right. Because a lot of times... People will get too excited. I've seen guys in games, I've seen guys in fights who get too excited and they're exhausted in the first round or in the first period or pre-game, yeah. you know, back before they even get on the ice. You know, and there's guys who get it right. And to me, that's a function of time. You know what I mean? You, you have to kind of play with, you, you know your body, you learn your body, you learn that cycle for yourself. But it's also being cognizant of what your actual goals are in each workout, in each session, right. you know, so that you know why you're here. So if I know, for instance, I can squat a hundred pounds, that's, that's my max squat. So if I know that number in my head, then if I go in and I'm squatting 80, I can't look at it. If, if I'm working on my technique with you, then I can't look at it as a failure. I've got to look at it as I'm right now, I'm building more foundation. Right. You know, because you understand that if we build a house on sand, you know, it's, it's going to fall when, when there's a storm. And so we have to understand these foundational workouts, basics. I mean, in martial arts going on, we have our basic beginner classes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 7. And they're some of my favorite classes. I love, I, there, there's no time that I ever feel like I'm so good at basics, even though I've done this 25 years, that I don't enjoy working just simple combinations or front punches, front kicks, basic double legs, things like that. I mean, it's you're always refining your craft. We had a we had a saying in, in hockey, uh, and I'm sure this is not just hockey related only, but uh, you practice how you play. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people mistaken something like that, whether it's you know studying or it's in your career. You know, you're a lawyer. You know, you know, like I can't I can't go out and go balls to the wall like I would in a game. I'll I will be dead. There's no way. What that means well, you is can, we're making. But it's one explosion, and if you if you can get up and do it again, then you didn't really do it right. all the way. I mean, right. so we like, gotta what... know ourselves enough to know what is ball right. school, what is maximum effort. I always took that that phrase is it's not 
how you're doing it's it's what is the decision making that you're doing because if you're just being lazy you're making poor decisions this is why you know power lifters or something they don't touch maximal effort they mm -hmm. train in a way that they can move fast they move properly they use other implements to allow them to work in different ways but they're not sitting there doing one rep maxes every week not every day they they hardly touch that shit so when they get to the competition they're peaked whether it's weekly or it's you know monthly yearly whatever your your sport or career you know if you're a lawyer going to court or something like that you're not sitting there trying to understand everything today you're trying to understand the storyline right so in hockey it was like well I'm struggling in this aspect of my game maybe it's defensively well when I'm working on this in practice maybe I slow it down and I understand where my decision making is going wrong because once the brain smooths that thing out then we could do it. I can relate this to music. My dad's a musician, drummer. So I grew up playing the drums. My sister was a musician. My whole family's music, uh, family of musicians, really. And he always did this with me. Slow down. If you can do it slow, you can progress the fast, right? But it's having that basic understanding of what the fuck am I trying to do? Whether it was skate a different way, whether it was moving, you know, we talk, talking about back squat. Let's try and point the toe a little bit this way and just see what you feel. And then like, it's my, you know this, my disclaimer is always, it may not feel right now, but over time, let's play with it. Same thing with nutrition. If you can't do it for about 21 to 30 days, you haven't really given it a chance, well, we right? It's just about... that consistency thing of like, ironing out some of the patterns, understanding why, how, and then it's mastering the skill. And I'm saying master in quotes, but mastering a skill um, in terms of mentally to be able to perform it physically. Well, how do you think that relates? Because I mean, I think that's that's pretty self-evident. I mean, I agree with you 100%. We say practice exactly what you want to perform. You know, so you can't come in, and that doesn't mean now in a game you're you're checking opponents into the boards, you're diving in front of pucks, you're getting you're taking shots, you're you know, you're not doing that every practice, right? right. Because you're going to break your body down. But so what does practice what you want to perform mean in that light? It means with the same mental focus, the same mental intensity. Right. So what do you think? So so if my drill today, you know, in a game I'm never going to skate blue line, blue line, blue line, blue line, over and right. over and over, you know, but but there's a reason I'm doing that. If sure. I can understand the reason and never going through the motions. One of the things that I I taught a class Saturday, and I always, because it's been something that's been kind of beaten into me my whole life, is when we're throwing combinations in the air. In a typical class, before you get into actually sparring, you know, and that kind of thing, or if we're not hitting a shield that day or hitting bags or mitt, you know, I might call out high block front hand, side set front foot, front punch, knee kick, elbow strike. And some people just, like just go through the, yeah, just like that. <laughs> and some people will just do it. And sometimes they really don't know how to do it. And so to make up for that, they do it faster. You know, and so I think that they think they can fool me. And they, they, they move really fast and it was right hand, left leg, right arm. So I'm not going to notice that that was just all garbage, right? And so, so you need to be able to slow down and refine it. And, and, and we talk about this. It's better to go, it's same in lifting, same in sports. It's better to go light and get it right and then build the weight. And it's better to go slow in your combination building and your striking and your moving. And then once you don't have to think about it, because if I'm getting under 400 pounds on a back squat, 
and I'm thinking about all of these cues, not thinking of them as cues, but thinking of them as lessons in the moment, and I'm not going to make that squat. Right. You know, you have to have already learned that. And it's the same thing in a fight. If you and I square up right now, if I'm thinking, okay, when I throw my right hand, my left has to stay up, I'm going to get punched in the face. I mean, it's something that I have to have made this second nature. It has right. to really be trained. And I'd be interested in your thoughts as someone who coaches a variety of different athletes who's had some pretty high-level experience yourself. I don't think it's particularly obvious that we can be truly masters in a lot of different realms and domains. Like, I do CrossFit. I do lift. My love, it's martial arts. Everything else is done to supplement that. Sure. So I don't, I'm not the greatest Olympic lifter I could be because it's not my focus. I love having a big snatch, you know, hitting that number, but I'm not doing all the work I know I need to do to get there because, quite frankly, there's only so many hours in the day. Well, it's, I mean, as you know, probably most people that know, like, listening to this, I'm I'm not a huge proponent of CrossFit. I I coach it. I've been involved in it for uh, almost nine nine years now. I enjoy it. I think it's a good foundation, but I always hold the caveat of, like, I believe in everybody trying to be the best athlete they can, whether you're just, you know, I say just, whether you're 80 years old and trying to move again, or you're eight years old and we're starting to get you into athletics or just trying to give you a healthy lifestyle. Why wouldn't we train you to be the most athletic thing person you can be? The most athletic people can do a lot of things well, right? So when we talk about CrossFit, CrossFit gets a bad rap because people look at them, they, they assume that CrossFitters the elite, and when we say crossfitters, I'm talking about the elite, uh, they act like those guys are specialists. They're not. Crossfit is built on being a generalist. They do a lot of things really well, and yeah, the elite guys, they're just good at everything, right? But if you were to put that into a, a rational scale of general crossfit to elite crossfit, it would look the same. It's all it's all measurable in terms of like, he struggles with this over this, and this guy struggles with that over that. like nobody's just tearing it up that's why like people are winning the games without taking first place in all the events Mm -hmm. that's the generalist thing like who can be the best at a lot of things uh versus being like i i specialize in just olympic lifting and i mean that as an insult i mean people lift all their lives to be olympic lifters that talk about dedication alone holy crap um but when i when i teach uh, movement in general my my disclaimer is always it's it's not what you move or it's not how much you move it's how you move right because if you have shitty movement with 100 pounds you're going to have shitty movement with 500 pounds so the other side of it is if you lift something your your body can lie to you you can be strong you know and you can just muscle up and it can be an ugly back squat and you can just struggle through a lot of weight if you're a naturally strong yeah, guy everything is evolving right mm-hmm. i mean you as a human being are evolving your work you know you can be the top you can be in the one percent i mean for me again hockey player Sidney crosby arguably and shouldn't even really be an argument is the best hockey player in the world as far as all-around hockey player that guy works tirelessly to be better it's something he loves he wants to hone and he wants to be the best that he possibly can be but is he the best that he can possibly be? No, or else he would be done working. You're always evolving no matter what the variable is. I think we lose well, sight of be. that. I mean, I think that, you know, if you get to a spot where you think you've made it, you think I've got it or I've got this, there's you're, nothing more for me to learn, 
then you're you're beginning your decline. Right, and, and when your your life's got to be pretty miserable uh, for a whole lot of different reasons. But yeah. I mean, it's not. We should in all areas of our lives always be struggling to evolve and trying to be a better version. How can I be the absolute best Rudy I can today? Right. You know, and so necessarily the one that was the best one for yesterday is not have the same obstacles as the one today, and then or the one tomorrow. And so you've always got to be aware of that and and listen to your environment listen to that internal voice you talk about listen to you know your body if you have injuries aches things like that and and adjust so that given whatever hand you're dealt so to speak you can play it the best way you possibly can and you've got to always struggle to do that well it's it's in i mean the other the other phrase i know it's like a whole bunch of cliches all at once but like in only lifting specifically they talk about slow is smooth and smooth is fast that's related to life I mean, you crawl, walk, run, right? I mean, like, you don't, most people, there's always an exception to every rule, right? But, like, most people don't just come into martial arts and are like, got it. N- no, this takes a year. What did you say, 25 years? No, they don't. We've got guys that come in, and, and, you, and you see this a lot in MMA gyms and things like that. I mean, they're, they're athletic guys. Right. Maybe they wrestled a little bit in high school. You know, maybe they played sports or whatever it was and they think that they know and the fact is most of the time and it's I, I notice the same pattern even in lifting aggression counts for a lot in the beginning when we're both equally unskilled probably the most aggressive person's going to win so if you and I both know nothing and it's just we're competing whoever is got the most in them the most fire in them is going to win that after a couple of years gets canceled out though and the guys who stick around and who have consistently right. refined their their practice can now deal with that aggression you know so now when we get a guy who's you know i'm not i'm 180 pounds you know we get a guy who comes in who's 250 beating everybody up you know see who puts me with him he says wear him out a little bit you know because i can handle that because i've been doing it for right. such a long time right. now if we put him with somebody who's been there a few years and he is he's still stronger, more athletic, maybe younger. You know that can do a lot to kind of cripple that person's practice sure. because he'll be able to, to beat him. Right. You know then then that person will think, oh I suck. You know or, or why am I not getting this? But that that raw talent, even with Crosby, I mean he had to work on it. He is naturally more gifted than I am. I'm sure at hockey. I can't play hockey at all. Right. Uh, but it would be not fair to all the hours he's put in to pretend that he's relied on that talent. Right, yeah. yeah I mean, like, he, he's definitely made himself better well, isn't intentionally. That, isn't that like the old thing about like people that take steroids? Like, well, they're cheating. Like, <laughs> all that steroids has done is allowed them to practice I mean, more. I hear all the time. I hit people, I say, oh, that was a lucky punch. I'm like, I don't know, it was lucky. I tried to hit you, I hit you, you went yeah. down. I don't know how that oh, was. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a lucky punch. The, the first coach I ever played hockey with, uh, his thing was definition of luck is when skill meets opportunity. Right. You know, so you like, you know, like what, however you want to phrase it, luck is on your side because you've earned it uh yeah. you know you don't just get lucky so we um, all have different you know some if, if you're born and you're seven feet tall it's going to be easier for you to play basketball right that being said i've got a seven foot tall cousin who works uh, i think he works in the mall doing something i mean he didn't he had no passion for right. it he didn't really want to pursue practice he played in high school he played a little bit in college but he didn't love it he didn't right. put in the work so then a guy who's six and a half feet tall who's worked harder is able to actually outperform yeah. Master, masters of skill right exactly it's it's interesting that you know when you 
put all this stuff together and like it, I hate that so many cliches but my thing about it not like where I'm thinking now is like how do we relate the mindfulness to all this stuff and to me a lot of it comes with when you have a good day bad day right like the day that you don't want to be there or the day that well, things I mean, are going the days, well the days are always good and bad and we can't and then the biggest thing I try to teach and the biggest thing that I'm the fact that I teach it let me does not mean I've mastered it. I mean, I've shared with you as a friend. I mean, there's still things we're all dealing with and nobody is ever completely there or right. done, right? Well, I, mean, so, I mean, when we do the podcast, I'm not sitting here talking as an expert. I'm talking, teachers yeah. want to learn. Yeah, no, right? I mean, so, but the idea though is to just be the person you want to be when you want to be that person, regardless of whatever happens. And that's what, that's what mindfulness is about. And it's about deciding before that you're going to you know, that I'm not going to quit no matter what. I'm going to give my best effort. I'm gonna do, I mean, these are decisions that you can't make in the mix. They have to have been decided before. Right. To me, if you're going to have any authority, it's like when a substitute teacher comes in in a high school class and tells you, sit down. Nobody listens right. because they have, they have no authority. Um, if you're the kind of person who has consistently taught yourself that you're subject to whatever whims, like you say, I'm going to meditate today and you don't. I'm going to work out today and you don't. So why do you think you're going to be able to, in a seminar perform, tell your body what to right. do? It's flip, already shown you that it's your boss. Yeah. I mean, so, so it's got to be a habit. And I, I feel like you have to have this desperation for, I mean, this sounds very cliche, but a desperation for excellence. I mean, it's got to be what you're about. You know what I mean? And you've got to make that the biggest goal you have because it's not going to happen. When you're doing the actual workout, when you're playing in the game, you know, of course, I mean, you're going to want to quit. Of course, you're going to want to stop. And if your body has taught you over the course of the past 25 years that it can stop when it wants, then it's going to stop when right. it wants. Then that might not be where you, Brian, or me, Rudy, want it to, but we're not in charge. Right. You know, and that, so that's, that's why it's so important. That's where the mindfulness relates. And that's where having that discipline. And also, you know, we talked a little bit before about this idea of walking a tightrope. You know, in, in terms of knowing who you are and knowing your mindfulness. Sure. If you watch a tightrope artist walk, you know, across a cable the size of this USB port, um, they're always falling a little bit to the left, always falling a little bit to the right. The reason they don't fall off, and you would fall off or I would fall off, is because we would adjust too late. You know, it's not that you're not always falling, you're always falling. It's as they fall, they realize, they recognize, and make the adjustment. Right. They realize, they recognize, and make the adjustment. You know, and that's where knowing who you are is, is so vital, so important, so that when you're getting off the proper track, you can actually get back on it sooner. You right. know, because you, once you've missed a week of working out, you're screwed. Right. You know what I mean, like maybe missing well, is, one. Isn't that like how you, I think, I think it's you that talks about, yeah, it's definitely you, that talks about like stopping that, that ball at the top of the hill. Right mm -hmm. before it gets momentum, and then that power is in charge. It's no longer you that's in charge. Momentum uh, is just is energy's energy. I mean, like, and once it gets going, it doesn't care if it's momentum for good or momentum for bad. It's so, just I mean, momentum. It's just going. Yeah. You know, and so if that momentum, if we're going to keep it in a workout area, if it's if it's I work out every day or six days a week or whatever, I'm in my routine. That's your momentum. You're building that, and so it's going to be harder for you to miss a day next week. If it's become a part of your life. Right. Conversely, if I'm the guy who sits on the couch every day, then what's one more day? I mean, I mean, as I, as I, I don't feel like it today. Well, I never feel like it. I've well, isn't it like it's so 
so many, I mean, I'm guilty of this, but I think I can probably think of a few examples in my life that are just people, acquaintances, really, not even people in my life, but acquaintances that it's always like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. And you're like, no, you won't. I don't do it tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I'll do this tomorrow. Short of the things that I have to get done, I procrastinate the hell out of most the shit. The you but do like, tomorrow, you don't do. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, I've, I've heard alcoholics in AA meetings, um, we've done some work in mindfulness training there, and they say, okay, you can drink. Just have your drink tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and that is what you tell yourself every day because tomorrow never comes. You know, I mean, and, that's, and it's the same thing. That's a positive spin on a negative thing. But... You know, when you have a list of priorities, one thing we like to say is, um, you know, what is done first tends to get actually done. You know, if you've got a list of 10 things to do, what you put at number 10 has a much lower chance of getting done than number one. Right. So Realistically, you need to have like three action items per day that you need right, to get done. Right, but we, but we don't right. do that. And we, oh, that yeah, that's everything just piles up we, and we stuff have, like 15 snowball. action items. That being said, the first, you might even get the first 10 done of those 15. But 11 through 15 are much less likely. Yeah. You know, so that's where you're sitting down and you're thinking about what is it I want? Why am I doing this? Why am I training this way? Why am I taking this rest day? Why am I eating this way? So that you can make sure that you're doing the things you need to do. If you're, if you're scattershot, just trying to do everything at once, it's, it's easy to fall off because you have no why. I feel like, I feel like that's something I struggle with. It, it's a combination of what you just said and then also it, it it's uh paralysis by thinking about all the things I need to do versus saying like, okay, tomorrow, Tuesday, I'm doing one and two. Wednesday, I'm going to do three and four. Now, obviously you can, you know, there's a bunch of miscellaneous stuff in there, but you know, like what are the things that you need to have done? Like, what is the stuff you need to touch? Make that priority. Uh, for me, a lot of times it's the starting of stuff, but the, the mindfulness aspect of all this stuff where you can look at your struggles and say, well, the reason I, the reason the struggle is good for me, right? You're present, you know, you just said, what's your why? Like, what, what are you trying to accomplish on this? Because now your struggle, you're going to sit there, nutrition, easy example, right? Like, oh man, I really want ice cream. Oh man, I really want pizza. Okay. Well, you know, Jocko Willink always says this. He's like, when you have like, say for example, in this situation, cravings, wait till tomorrow. Same thing as the AA stuff. Wait till tomorrow, because chances are, if you need a rest day today, try and train one more day, even if it's just going through the motions, because chances are you're just kind of tired, you're just bored, or you know, you're, you're kind of, you need to stress yourself to grow yourself a little bit further. And chances are you're gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, I guess I didn't need a rest day, I'm ready to go today. But if you wake up tomorrow and you're like, yeah, I need a rest day. Okay, maybe you need a rest day then. Now you take your rest day, but you've stretched yourself a little bit more, and I think that's part of that mindfulness aspect of, you know, I can think about playing hockey. I need to make a change, but I can't make a change right now because pucks in our zone. And you know, we we don't make changes in hockey when in bad situations. So, like, what choice do you have? I'm gonna, I have to push through it. So that's the type of thing that I would take mindfully into practice, and I would say, okay, I'm tired in practice. What do I need to do? I need to focus on a long stride. I need to focus on making a simple play under fatigue, and that fatigue can be you know, described in so many different ways, whether it's studying, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm fatigued in that because I can't figure this thing out. Give it five more minutes, look at it, we'll go take a walk and come back to it. Let the brain try and iron it out. I think that all goes into that mindfulness aspect. I think that's probably how we would relate that to meditation, 
why do we meditate? Oh, so yeah. you told me bringing it back to like a homeostatic state. Bringing it back to the breath, bringing it back to that state. But but fundamentally under all that is the why. Like the biggest thing that I think that people out there that I struggle with is, is we beat ourselves up. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, let's, let's be very clear. Like everything, every time you've been skating, you needed to make a change and you couldn't because, because you said it was a bad situation. You couldn't do it at that time or whatever it is. I mean, quitting and stopping is always on the table. It's always there, you know, and, and, and getting up and training every day sucks, you know, and it's like, and, and, it, and Muhammad Ali said he loved being a champion, but he hated every moment of training. Right. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of have your goal in mind, you know, and um, that's why it makes it so different. Like for me right now in the gym, I'm mm-hmm. burnt out, you know, I lost all this weight. I'm still probably not totally healthy. And I'm pissed off every second I'm in the gym. It's like the weights, they're much lighter than they have been. They're not moving the way they used to. I feel like shit. But then like that's ego, right? That's ego saying like all yeah, oh, shit. You're comparing yourself to somebody who is 50 pounds heavier, you know, who is just maybe just moving for maximum weight. Right. Time. I mean, the way a power lifter versus the way a bodybuilder lifts is totally different. Right. You know what I mean? In terms of rep range, rest, using that muscle, you know. So we need to understand, have a clear goal of what what our goal is right? Right. And, and understand what we're doing there's no way that you can sit here and, and and if I compare myself to my best day or my PR or my whatever it is every day and that's not necessarily what I'm going for you're always frustrated and then you get this idea of like you get then you see somebody else doing something in the gym I'm gonna do a little bit of that or then you see somebody doing something right. else oh that program looks cool too right. like you've got to be clear in your goals I mean that's why you know, before you do anything. I mean, you might you might hate lifting. It might not be for you. That's fine. You don't have to. Right. You know, you might hate baseball or hockey or martial arts. You know, um, but once you figure out what your thing is and what you're going to do, then you've got to keep that in mind, and that's going to be what sustains you through those tough times, through those tough moments, through those thoughts of quitting, thoughts of stopping. Well, I think that's easily transferred to anything. Mm-hmm. School your career, uh, nutrition. I love talking about nutrition because that's something that I've, I've struggled so incredibly much with. I don't know if I just phrased that properly, but I've struggled a lot with nutrition. And as I'm growing and understanding myself better, I was never diagnosed with um, an eating disorder, but I definitely had a terrible, have a terrible relationship with food. And that's, you know, like we talk about balance. I'm an extreme person. I'm, you know, I'm either, I don't do anything. If it's not going to be perfect, I go zero. If it's going to be perfect, I go a hundred. Now that's, that's flawed in its own right. And it's something I work on, but nutrition has been the one thing where I've taken it to the extreme where I'm pretty much eating just fat and meat, predominantly just meat. And yes, that is on one extreme and it's not for everybody. I won't even get into the science. I won't even go on a ramp, but it's going to take me a second to breathe through that. Uh, but doing that, the intention was not to just be like, oh, I'm just eating this. Like, no, it was to understand my relationship with food. It was a way for me to eat enough calories throughout the day. It was taking out a lot of the junk food. It was creating better habits, but most importantly, it was creating the mindfulness of where I was at mentally with with food. You know, I could go no, I would eat nothing at all all day, and then I come home and eat Taco Bell and ice cream at night. You know, like somehow I overate calories, and then. I didn't even eat anything good. 
So now I eat two or three times a day, and when I do have you know cheat night or weekend or meal or you know if I go off for a week, I sit there and I like I immediately there's a couple days where I'm like yeah it's fine it's not a big deal this is this is how I'm balancing it for right now, and then as I get a little bit outside of that balance where it's like day three, day four, day five where I'm eating Taco Bell, I'm eating ice cream cookies or just just not eating to what made me feel good, which is what I'm doing. I have the knowledge now or the, the awareness to be like, I need to get back. I need to at least circle back a little bit and just start maneuvering my way back into what made me feel good. It doesn't have to be right away, but it's just all these things of nutrition is the one of my favorites because there's so many variables in nutrition. It's not just eating. There's emotional attachment to eating. There's hormonal attachment to eating. There's performance uh, attachment to eating. There's environmental attachments to eating. Where do you where do you stop with the variable? But understanding your why, it was yeah. I ended up losing a ton of weight. I, I feel like I, I'm a lot more confident with the way I look, and I felt like my performance was better. Uh, it was improving. Well, but assuming more. that they better is your goal. I mean, if, if you're... Because some people live as if they really don't care about tomorrow. Right. Well, my goal, my goal was to just have a better relationship with myself right. and food. And to me, like, have I done it in the most balanced way? Absolutely not. But it's a way that I look at it, I'm like, I feel really good eating like this. So when Whatever. I do cheat, I'm not going to feel guilty about it. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm just, this is what I'm doing. And I get back on and be like, I feel great. No, and that's kind of everything for everybody i mean there is no cookie cutter approach to uh, to nutrition there's no cookie cutter approach to exercise right there's no cookie cutter approach to life i mean you've got to kind of by trial and error determine what's best for you and this is where i think as long as you're aiming towards the good if you're trying to be better if you make that a conscious goal you know every morning i'm going to be a better version of myself than i was yesterday then you'll make these adjustments that you need to make, you know, and, and as you, I heard a little bit in there, as you start going into the Taco Bell third day, fourth day, it's probably, you know, it's easier in a way to eat on that fourth or fifth day because it's similar, that's, that's yeah. the momentum building, right. right? I mean, like, because you've gone through all this, you know, it's more enjoyable to eat this quote unquote bad food for you, whatever. Right. And, and on the fourth day, it's kind of just what you do now. And it's easy to say, well, screw it. I already did three days of it. What's the fourth? Right. Then, I mean, the fifth, that's no problem. Yeah. I just have some ice this cream. This is just who I, I am done, now. <laughs> done four days. The next thing you know, you're 300 pounds on the couch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you've got to be aiming, though, towards the good every time. That's the biggest thing. I mean, deciding who you want to be and understanding that that's not something that happens accidentally. You know, Crosby didn't get where he is accidentally. You can get where you are accidentally. I can get right. where I am accidentally. Like waking up and deciding this is what I'm going to be. And then everything you can possibly do has to be in service of becoming that person. Right. Well, and it's, it's being mindful that what is easy feels good. But what is difficult and fearful or you're fearful of when you do those things, that's what makes everything better. Right. Like in the growth mind, like what's easy is not good. But it feels good, and it's 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 delayed gratification when you're uh, doing the difficult things. You're not running from the, you know, you're not allowing the fear to push you away or to allow you to run. Easy is always just the band aid. It's the band aid approach. It always circles around. Fuck you. Like it's just that's how it's gonna work. Very few people get away with easy, but when you start doing the hard things, like I'm not sure how this is gonna work out. Try it. 
just see what happens. Like, you know, nutrition. Give me 20 days. Give me 21 days. Give me 30 days. If you're going to die from 30 days, of the guy that fucking ate McDonald's for every meal for 30 days, albeit almost died, did not die. So, yeah, like, you're telling me that, like, month, but, but, but most people can't commit to that month. Right. I mean, that's, and you that's break it down into smaller stuff. It's almost putting the cart before the horse. Right. To give somebody a diet plan, to give somebody a great workout plan, to give somebody access to the greatest martial arts training in the world, if they're not deciding they're going to do it, right. you know, it, it's a waste. Right. Well, I think that's, that's the whole, like, mindful or mindset thing. And I talked about this in whatever episode it was just recently, one of the last two, about mindset. The fixed mindset says this is exactly who I am. I can't. I can't improve it. My intellect is is just what it is. Um, my skill set is never going to improve. The growth mindset says I'm not focused on the result. I'm focused on the process. What am I learning from this? Well, and then all of a sudden, these results start coming. And I think being mindful of all these things, performance, performance doesn't mean just gym, nutrition, sport, whatever. We we've pretty much talked about. It, but like that means career too. Being mm -hmm. mindful of like. Okay, I just got handed a case that I can't figure out anything about this thing. Were you gonna quit, or are you gonna well, step back and be like, okay, wh what's related? What we have to do? Learning and that focus on becoming better, you know, and assuming that there are people. The the danger with thinking you know everything, you know, and you were just talking about you made a reference to, um, you know, this is how I'm gonna do it. This is how I do it. Yeah, you know, and, and that and that's that. And there's nothing else to be said is there's there's no possibility for growth that's the danger right. in like an arrogance mental arrogance and anything if i assume that i know more than you on all subjects and you have nothing to teach me then we're not really going to have a very fruitful conversation right you know i mean you've got to kind of keep this mindset i think you you term it like a growth mindset i think it's it's very similar to this this being a student you know, all the time. That doesn't mean that you you don't work hard, but it means you're always open to learning. Never assume that you know everything in the room. Never assume you're the smartest person in the room. If that is the case, you probably need to find another room. Right. You know, I mean, but well, you, that's you not what they always say. Don't ever be the strongest person. Don't just don't be the best no, person I mean, in the room. And that's true. I mean, like my workouts. I've got people that I work out with or that I train with. Who, if I if we're standing up, I'll beat the crap out of them. If we go to the ground, their jiu-jitsu might be better. You know, if we do certain things, even when you and I lift, I might have better gymnastic movements by virtue of being more flexible, maybe, and you might have more power in a deadlift or a squat. Right. There's certain things where we balance each other out, which right. makes good training partners. You don't want to be around somebody who's who you're completely better than because you start falling back to your level right. of competition, so to speak. Yeah, essentially you want to be chasing something. Right. Uh, something that's like re attain obtainable, right? Like you want to mm -hmm. be able to have that thing in sight. Like I'm not going to sit there and, and you know, deadlift with fucking um, Eddie Hall. That's not going to help me. I mean, he might be able to coach me into being a better deadlifter, but like I'm not... But I'm it's not, not going to motivate you to continue right. deadlifting. Now, if I mean, I'm deadlifting gonna... 500 pounds with this guy that's consistently deadlifting 550... That's the guy I need to be chasing mm -hmm. because he's going to take me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be able to chase it. Same thing with studying. That's something I learned. That's probably one of my biggest takeaways, at least academically, from this year. I learned to put my ego away and study with people that were better studiers than me, that learned things faster. And then me being slow, quote unquote, slower than them with certain things allowed them to actually be able to teach me. 
And then I became more uh, intelligent, at least with my understanding of the subject, and they did too because they now had to teach it to me. Through that, we both got were able to look at the, the, the content and be like, I think maybe that was wrong. Or they sat there and were like, I just thought about this a different way. Let me explain it this way. You just start learning about life, well, whether it's really, anything. Before I lose the thought, that's what it is to be to have the right people in your life. Right? Right. Because that same thing, you could have thought, oh, these people are too smart for me. I, I, I'm not. I'm out of their league. Right. Or they could and have I thought, did. Or I they did could have thought yeah. that you have nothing to teach them. Right. You're not bringing them to the study groups. So I'm not even going to associate with yeah. you. Whereas the way you did it, which I think is the proper way, you both got something out of it, yeah. you know, and, and that comes from that a little bit of humility, you know, and understanding that there is something that even if you're objectively better in one area, there's probably an area that you're not. Well, we, and we, if you're worse in there, you're probably not worse in, in all of them, right. you know, and, and, and seeing what you can you can learn and contribute to each other, to each other's lives, life in general. Well, it's it's one of those things of. We know that we learn better as humans. We learn better with arousal, right? So this is the case of sitting in the front of the classroom or the teacher just calling on you or hockey, or the coach just puts you on blast. I don't do it all the time, but knowing that that's a possibility, you're automatically at a little bit higher awareness. You're paying a little more, you're a little bit more focused. And then when they do call on you, there's a whole lot of physiology going on there where you're that's like, oh school. shit. Law school is built around the Socratic method. So you have, you're in this giant lecture hall and for no rhyme or reason, a professor will call on you and you're supposed to just pontificate these answers, right. you know? Um, and, and so you kind of, if you go in with you not having read or not having done your homework, um, there's a little bit of anxiety there and some right. people get off on that. It's like, am I going to get away with it? Am I not? But if you want to have more of a balanced kind of feeling, you're just always prepared. Well, and even like in those situations, if you're wrong, uh, if you miss a lift, if you have a fuck up on your nutrition or you're, you lose a case or, you know, maybe not that extreme, but those arousals, even if you do something wrong, it's an opportunity to learn. And you're going to remember that because you were wrong while being aroused during. Well, like, you we were say, I mean, without a doubt, in a fight, you win or you learn. You know what I mean? If you lose, then you've got a loser mindset. You know what I mean? There's, there's been fights I've won, fights I've lost. You know what I mean? But what did you I've, take away from what it? What did you take away? And I can tell you, I think I was like the very first time I was ever in a competitive, like a fight, I was so amped up and so ready to go. Like I just gassed, man. Like I had never, after the first round, I was absolutely exhausted. You know? And it was like, like I, and I remember thinking like, what is going on? I'm better than this person. Yeah. Like what is going on? I, I can train for three, four hours at a time. How did this three minutes just mess me up so bad? You know, and it's because I was just so, so overstimulated. Right. You know, and I got it together, and I ended up winning that fight. Um, got it together, and my corner talked to me and everything else. But I took away from that that feeling of like, wow, there's this serious danger there. You know, and, and what you did is you took away, you didn't control your mind. Right. You didn't do everything you practice. You were redlined the whole time. You redlined the whole time, and you blew the engine. You know, I mean, and so that is has never happened again. You know, I mean, and and that is just through conscious decision. Now I could have taken that experience and said this isn't for me, or I suck at this, or whatever it was. You know, if you're not willing to humble yourself and learn, then you're gonna have a rough time of it, man. And I mean, I think a lot of people out here are lost, having a tough time of it. 
you know, we you talk to people all the time. I talk. We have students who come and they're and they're you know they're depressed. They're wondering why they're failing at so many things, and it and it comes down to just not really knowing yourself, knowing your purpose, knowing why you're doing it, not being open to the experiences that life shows you, and being able to learn from the different things, whether they're positive or negative. And we talk about in martial arts is a famous story of good news, bad news. Who knows? You know, I mean, it's it's where it's it's set basically in ancient China there's a huge war you know and um, the the guy's got a son and so the the neighbor comes and says oh this is terrible news there's a war your son's you're gonna have to go to war he says good news bad news who knows next day they catch a bunch of horses I won't tell the whole story eventually the son they get these horses the neighbor goes oh what's such great news for you guys I can do this Good news, bad news, who knows. Then the son is riding the horse, he breaks his arm, and neighbor says it's terrible, but then he doesn't have to go to the war. So it's like we can take all of these these right. stimuli, and we really don't know what they are without seeing them in a bigger context. Sure. You know, and just being open to that, and not, not being so myopic, and this is right now, and focusing on your one little problem. Because there's shit that happens that's objectively tough. And it's objectively shitty. It hurts to lose. It hurts to miss a lift. It hurts to get dumped. It hurts to fail a grade. You know, but but that's not your whole life. It doesn't have to be defining. It doesn't have to be. And and quite conversely, it can be constructive if you allow it to be. If you have faith in the process. And that takes it back to this idea of why are you doing it. So there's going to be days you go and you got, I'm sure, that at a college level hockey player, there were days you got your ass kicked. There were days you felt, well, and there were days you felt ten feet tall and bulletproof. Probably, you know. I mean, but you you can't let those. But you knew your goal was to be a contributing member of this team. This is as long as you were on it, right? Right. And so you didn't. Every time you got beat up a little bit, you didn't stop. Well, it's it's funny. I'm having this kind of like thought in my head here. I have somebody in my life who is pretty irritated by the fact that I don't get real excited. And I don't get real down. Now I say that with a cranch salt because when I get down, I definitely get down. But I, I'm very, at least with excitement, I just ride the, the flat line. I don't want to show it. Now, for a lot of reasons, I probably do that. But I know in hockey, that game was so fast. It changed every second you were out there. I mean, that's a reactionary sport. There's a lot going on there. Uh, a definite open loop system there where just... The brain has to do a whole bunch of stuff real fast, so you don't have time to be up. You score a goal, you celebrate, you come right back down. There's not a lot of excitement. You don't want to be on the roller coaster. You get scored on. You want to. You want to spend less time in that. Is is much. You want to spend as much time there as you were excited about scoring a goal because we have to go back to the job. This game's not over. And it's the whole concept. I think like maybe I could allow myself to feel more excited about life or the things happening in my life. But it's always, again, for a whole bunch of variables, I struggle with that. But it's kind of been built in that, dude, as fast as we score, we can get popped for two here. See, you know, you can lose the game. There's danger there. I, I agree with you. I, I, I see what it's you're flawed. saying and what It's you're definitely doing. flawed. But I, I, I personally believe you should allow yourself to feel in terms of the highest highs and the lowest lows. Yeah. I mean, you know, the depths of emotions from, from absolute just exuberance to misery and sure but the thing is not becoming attached to whatever causes it because just like in a hockey game you score 
you can get scored on next sure. minute. Or you get scored on and then you score the next minute. And you can't be stuck in the moment. That's where the pass will kill you. That's where you, when you get attached to a certain moment and when you actually get attached to this idea that my happiness. You now, when, when you're with your loved ones, you should allow yourself to be excited and have that joy. But they can't be the only reason you have it. You know, because what happens yeah. then is if they're gone, yeah. you're like, well, I'm going to go jump in traffic. Yeah, you know essentially, what I mean? like if you've gotten no fulfillment, point. right? Yeah. Like you've, you've you searched for external fulfillment. you got to understand that there is, there is no such thing as an external fulfillment that is going to be um, satiating any kind of long term. Right. You know, because it's always, it's fleeting. I mean, the Buddhist's life is suffering, but that it's, it's always changing. You know, and we're always in this process of loss, growth renewal i mean it's cyclical you know and and if we get too stuck on any one aspect there then we get defined by our car we get defined by the fact that i score three goals a game that's what i do right and okay you can do that in little league when everybody sucked but then when you get to college you can't do that then you think i'm terrible who am i you know you have have these whole like breakdowns and it's just being present in the moment and that's where the mindfulness being present in the moment, accepting it, letting it wash over you, you know, but not not letting it define you. Sure, you know, that's that's the danger. But I don't want you to to at that in pursuing that and trying to avoid letting it define you, not allow yourself to feel those highs. Well, yeah. well, it's it's something that I'm trying to be more conscious of and allowing those things. Uh, there's a whole lot of reasons that I struggle with that, but hockey is one of them. It's something I learned. I know when I coach, I'm the same way. It's, you know. We get scored on the bad call. Like yeah, every once in a while I get a little excited, and I'm, you know things happen, and it's situational. Yeah, you score an overtime goal, yeah, you're gonna be excited. But during the game, it's just very. I think that people feed. You know, attitude is contagious, or rea- you know your energy is contagious. So being too high or too low, the people around you're gonna feel that too. So as a coach, if you're freaking out, you know it's like when you know someone gets hurt. If you're the one in charge, you know I'm a coach at the gym and. And someone gets hurt. The last thing that needs to happen is me to get all excited in whatever way that looks. I need to go over there calmly because number one, whoever that is that's injured doesn't need doesn't need us to be reacting to them. But also, just the, like everybody remain calm. Calm situation is the best situation, right? Like, but it's definitely a flawed thinking uh, when you're applying it to you know, like you said, like loved ones, your family, relationships, well, stuff I mean, like that. But and also, what are you actually enjoying then? You're right, just, you're, you're just, you're you're just kind of like always trying like to be like a Vulcan line. from Star Trek, and just I don't feel, yeah. or, you know. I mean, that's it's just no good. You have no fulfillment there. You know, maybe the goal possibly could be to just play the game well. Yeah. It's not always to win because you can't. You play to win. You want to win. You know that that's. But let that be the icing. You know, the cake is playing the game how you want to play it, right. and and that I think would be a good place to talk about the, to kind of end on the mindfulness and the idea of being who you want to be in the moment when you want to be that person regardless of external circumstances if we can win the game great but don't be so attached to winning or losing to where you think that's that's what gives you value as a person what gives you value as a person is your integrity and the fact that you played the game that you wanted to play regardless of whatever external circumstances well damn there's a thought there you go. Just over an hour here, and uh, man, I feel like we could go for a couple more hours. We kind of get in this, this funk. I don't even know what we were talking about there for a minute. Yeah, we were, we were just, just talking. Just talking. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I want to, uh, in, in wrapping up, 
your final thoughts how can we relate um, you know mindset or mental uh, um, what are we talking the performance um, mindset and performance all this stuff together to meditation because that is kind of where your expertise is at um, as far as the mindset or at least that's what I would say your expertise is at um, I think we've covered it but just in closing and then obviously where can everybody find you at? well I think um, kind of our last thought there in terms of how to play that game how you want to play the game would be how I would sum all this up I mean the mindfulness comes it really is fundamental and basic and the first thing you need to do is understand your why because you're going to face challenges you're going to face struggles you're going to have a bunch of obstacles and there's going to be some good days too I'm not trying to be just all Eeyore over here everything's <laughs> negative I mean it's not like that you're going to have good too but you can't be too attached to any of it and what I would whenever I'm in in any kind of if I'm in the dojo I'm sparring you know if I'm in a lift or we're doing some stupid workout where it's like a hundred pull-ups and run here and do that I mean it's just miserable you know you think about quitting and you got to remember who you are and is this how I want Rudy to respond right you know I mean that that's really what it is and if I don't know who I even am then I really don't have a shot you know and so that's where you have to decide this is the kind of person I'm going to be and if I am that kind of person this is how I'll respond and I will respond well and don't confuse that with winning I mean it means that you are it's not results based it's not yeah. it's not when you attach the results that's when you um, you have issues if you have a crisis that's where you you really get way too high on the highs and too low on the lows but I'm sure we're going to do this again we can talk all night absolutely um, where can everybody find you at I'm at well, zenteachings.com. We're at zen.teachings on Instagram. We've got the YouTube channel, Zen Teachings. Um, I do weekly blogs, podcasts, uh, Facebook, Zen Teachings. Everything is Zen Teachings. Um, yeah, right. so, so check it out. If you get lost, go to Life Well Done or DM me. I will, I will direct you. I post a lot of uh, Rudy stuff through Zen Teachings uh, on Instagram specifically. So, um, Rudy, as always, man, it's been a pleasure. Always appreciate you as a friend, and obviously on this podcast, it's pretty sweet. Uh, if you guys have questions for Rudy, hit him up. Um, if you're in the Metro Detroit area, definitely hit him up because I know the dojo is doing like meditations, martial yeah, arts. Yeah, we've got so. two schools in Metro Detroit, right on in Berkeley and in Rochester. So. Very cool. So it's a uh, pretty, and I think most of the followings around here so yeah. so there's that but meditation uh, class thursday night at 8 30 is always free come in awesome so if you guys are listening hit them up hit me up make sure to find and follow uh on itunes for the podcast subscribe share with your friends uh instagram same thing youtube for sure same thing hopefully more content coming um other than that guys make sure you're practicing being the best self you can and uh rudy i'm sure you will be back soon my man that's it cool thank you brother we'll talk to you all right